Hello. Just before we begin this week's podcast, I want to say thank you to you all. Uh, my new album, Duende, my debut album, has been in the charts now for three weeks and it's still number two in the ARIA charts. That's the Australian Recording Industry Association, Australian Country Charts, which is really surprising and really fantastic. I can't thank you enough. I've put a little link in the uh, in the notes for the podcast this week if you'd like to download it you can if you'd like to stream it you can and if you'd like to give it to somebody as a gift there's the option to do that as well uh, as part of that smart url that i've linked in the notes so look i just wanted to say thank you um it's a really exciting time for uh, an honest and humbled troubadour so i really appreciate it very very much let's get to this week's podcast buen camino Hola, welcome to the podcast. We're approaching 150 episodes of what a journey it's already been. Hundreds of thousands of downloads, a pilgrim community the world over. I'm Dan Mullins, host of My Camino, the podcast, a weekly discussion about the Camino de Santiago, or in English, the way of St. James. Pilgrims walk a series of trails across Europe, hoping to arrive in the Spanish city of Santiago de Compostela, St. James under a field of stars. A pilgrim learns to understand you don't need all the baggage we carry every day and in life. Pilgrimage helps us to see how we fit into the worldwide church and the worldwide spirituality, because we're all in this together. Millions of pilgrims have walked the path before. Pagans walked to the end of the earth, finished there for perhaps thousands of years. Ours is a collective spirit, and the Camino can teach us how to live, because only spirit is important. There's euphoria when you walk the Camino, the spirit of the walk, the spirit of the Camino. I can't help thinking walking the Camino is the opportunity to grow. A pilgrim is often someone who's prepared to listen, to accept, and to be quietly the person we all hope to be on the Camino and in life. Generations have come and gone and the Camino remains in place, and it helps us to humbly see our place in time. The pilgrim carries a shell to remind them of the tradition, walking in the footsteps of St. James. In the 8th century, the Vatican decreed anyone who walked the Camino de Santiago or the way of St. James would be absolved of their sins. They would be entitled to enter heaven unencumbered. Well, I don't know about you, but I have a lot of walking to do. You know how much I love a good quote? Well, someone sent me something from an American actor and writer in the 1970s, a bloke called Jimmy Dean. He said, I can't change the direction of the wind, but I can adjust my sails to always reach my destination. So simple, so true. My guests this week reached out to me recently to say they've walked 10 Caminos and are looking to do more. Peter and Anne Brandon are on the line. Welcome, pilgrims. Thank you. Thank you. I'm going to divide and conquer. It's the easiest way to do it. Anne, what do you love? Yes. What do you love most about Peter the Pilgrim? Oh. <laughs> <laughs> he's he's my rock. He's my organizer, um, and he takes a lot of the um, organization skills on board. <laughs> and Peter, what impresses you most? What impresses you most about Anne the Pilgrim? Um, she just takes anything on the chin. 
uh, no matter what the pilgrim, uh, the, the the Camino has to offer or has to throw against her, she just walks through it. It's it's amazing. I've, I've seen and just grow so much through doing these these pilgrimages, and it just makes me love her all that much more. Yeah, I usually ask how the Camino came into your lives. But I want to ask you two, and I'll pose the question to you, Anne. Can you imagine yeah. life without the Camino? Uh, after having done them, no. It's, um, it's opened up a whole new world. It's opened up spirituality, uh, experiencing another country by walking these roads that are quite often so far away from crowds and tourists. So, yeah. So, Peter, how did it? How did the Camino come into your lives? Uh, well, sort of, we were talking about this the other day as to actually how we ended up doing Caminos. I tend to think it, it goes back to a friend of ours, Clive, who who suggested that uh, he and his wife and Anne and I do the Northern Camino. And anyway, as it turned out, he wasn't able to do it. I did the research, went on ahead and, you know, sort of, as Anne says, <laughs> organised things. <laughs> and we ended up in Arun in 2014, ready to start the um, the Northern Way. So, so, yeah. I'll stay with you, Peter. You're sensible, successful people. What do your friends and family make of it all? <laughs> um, unless, look... You know, I, I've heard you ask people about that before and, and I, I've, um, I've thought about that myself and I think a lot of them just look at you as if, some, t- some look at you as if you've got two heads. <laughs> some just do not understand it at all. So, it's, so um, unless you've done it and you've done it so you know what you go through, it's very difficult for people to get their head around it. Yeah, it is. Uh, it, it is. I, I think um, there's no journey quite like it, in my view. I've done a lot of travelling. I've been around the world. I've, I've been all over the place. There's nothing like that experience. Uh, and let me ask you, um, P- Peter wrote to me to say that you've listened to lots of podcasts, and I think you may have answered shortly a little while ago, but are you two spreadsheet pilgrims? Uh, <laughs> well... I do like to have an idea of where we're going. <laughs> so, but no, Peter gets a, a pretty good detail of distance and where we will stay. But uh, I don't know about spread. I'm not a spreadsheet person. He may be in the travel department. <laughs> but, but Peter, you like to be organised. Well, I do like to be organised, but I'm not inflexible. So. To give you an idea, we just walked the Via San Francesco um, just recently and um, we actually were a day out of um, Florence and we met up with, um, we had a friend of ours from Australia, Wendy, and she came along on that one and also the Portuguese way earlier on. But um, we met this young Austrian lass, Sophie, and she had, I don't know if you're familiar with the Germans and the Dutch have these incredible um, pilgrim um, manuals, pilgrimage right. manuals right. for each of the, the major um, uh, 
uh, Caminos. Anyway, so she had her one, and it had her sort of going off, and, and she'd, she'd done her spreadsheet, and all I'd simply done is written a whole lot of places that we were going to stay, uh, sorry, uh, towns that we were going to go to, and, you know, 25, 30 Ks, whatever it was yeah. going to be. yeah. And then I saw Sophie's and I said, well, you know, this is what we're doing. I said, and she was on her own, and it's not like any of the Spanish pilgrimages or the Portuguese way. This is lonely stuff. Like, we saw no one on the Via San Francesco, or very few. And so Sophie sort of joined us as as a surrogate daughter, our Camino daughter, and... um, so she she looked at what I'd done and she thought, oh, there's lots less kilometres to travel. Um, so we'll um, she she latched onto us and it cemented a very very good friendship. A beautiful young lady that's just got so much talent. How fantastic! But, yeah. So so do you stay in albergues or hostels or pensions? Um, I'll let Anne answer. That. Oh, we we stay in a lot of the time. You have to stay in what's available. But, yeah, we've got the albergues. We stayed in monastery, convents, pensions, you know, in Italy. Um, I think what what's available, some some places the choice is um, quite wide, other places not so. So, yeah, the albergues can be amazing. Uh, and there weren't so many on this walk. That's what I was about to ask you. If you're on those lesser-known walks, Anne, uh, do you yeah. have to do you have to walk a certain distance? Because on the Francaise, as you know, you you can find somewhere to sleep every five, ten k's. But if you if there's not anywhere to stay, you have to make those distances, do you? Well, this walk we found that sometimes we didn't walk through any villages during the day, so it was from getting up in the morning until walking the distance where there was another town. Um, so on those days, we just had to walk from one lot of accommodation to the next with nothing in between. And I'm assuming then you have to take food and water then? And, and all, yes, yeah, yes, yeah. we do. Yeah, and and the, the water, like on the front day, you can fill your bottles up, but we found that we were filling up to begin the day and quite often there was nowhere else for us to fill up. So we you got used to carrying, you know, two or three litres of water on this one. Mm. Well, that's that adds considerably to the weight of your pack then. Yes, it does. <laughs> so so what month what month were you walking? This last one? Uh, April, May and June. Oh, so it would have been warm enough. You wouldn't have had to did you have to carry a sleeping bag? We didn't take sleeping bags, but um we were quite surprised, actually. We had every element that, that, that you know, nature could throw at us. Like three days out, we were climbing up, and we this is in Italy, and we had rain and hail and then lightning, you know, within one second. So you'd, you'd see the lightning, count to one, huh. you'd Ooh. hear the thunder. So it was pretty close. And then we ducked down over the saddle into the, the village that we were going to. And the next morning, it was starting to snow. And oh. so, <laughs> so this is, what, spring? Yeah. So that was about eight, um, towards the end of May. April, I think, yeah. early yeah, May. And so how do you cope with snow when you haven't factored it into your, 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 your kit? 
Well, we we had layers, and we always find you layer up, and then when you put your wet weather gear on, it's you're like in a, an incubator. <laughs> when you're walking and you've got the, all this gear on, um, it, you tend to be warm enough, but you find that I think the adrenaline pushes you along because we know that when we hit a coffee shop that was warm, we realised that, we yes, we were very cold. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> well, that's right. That's right. But I, I still think that there's something quite nice about walking and and keeping warm by the, the energy of walking too, isn't it? Yes. Yeah, yeah. there is. Yeah. Because yeah, yeah. do, it doesn't take long to cool down. So, yeah, you sort of um, do push along to keep warm. So, uh, and let me ask you something. Are you religious people? Are you spiritual people? Yes, yes, I am. And uh, and doing these walks, it's um, it's perfect because you don't have any uh, sound pollution, visual pollution. You're not being jostled by people, so your mind is so free to you know think of so many things and notice so many things and. And have time to pray. Yeah. And so let me stay with you then, Anne. What do you think St. James would have made of all this now, walking in his footsteps, appearing on podcasts? (laughs) Podcasts. Well, I, I, you know, for the spiritual people, he would have thought, well, the message is getting around. What a great way to spread the word. Yeah. And Peter, to you, the modern pilgrim's not dissimilar to pilgrims of old, indeed centuries old. What did you learn, do you think, from the history of the Camino? That we're not alone. Um, You know, a lot of these pilgrims would have suffered uh, a lot of what Anne and I suffer and and the other pilgrims that we we walked with. I think it's it's an ancient thing. We're lucky that we have um, modern kit and, you know, when Anne referred to the layers, like we have... We use icebreaker gear and really good outer shells, which um, you know, obviously the 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 old the older pilgrims like the ancient the, the medieval pilgrims they would have had nothing like that. They had gear that would have probably kept them warm, but I think they were probably a hardier soul than us as well. Mm, um, mm. You know, they, they didn't have the mod obviously that, that we have. We can walk into a room that's already heated. Um, the hospitals that, that, that the, the medieval pilgrims, they would have been great places to, to get to. <laughs> yeah. So Yeah. I'm trying to think of the little town where the, the ruins are, just outside one of the little towns on the Francaise of one of the hospitals. I can't remember where. I'll remember, though. And walking... Well, do you remember? Oh, no, I'm, I'm thinking more so the Primitivo. When we crossed from Oviedo down onto the Francais... Oh. Going across, over the Primitivo, there were about two or three days out. There were a place where there the, were the hospitals, the, the, the ruins of, of some of the old, um, well, hospitals, places of hospitality yeah. that the, the pilgrims would have stopped at. And uh, I'll tell you what, I'm I'm a t- reasonably tall man, and I would have uh, been stooping a lot in those places. <laughs> you know, <laughs> yeah. And can I ask you that walking with your spouse would not necessarily be everybody's cup of tea, um, but it, it seems to work for you. Well, it's interesting. We don't really walk walk together. We're together, but 
because I'm a lot smaller and shorter, I'm sort of usually a couple of hundred metres behind Peter, but it, it is very comforting that, you know, we've been married for 45 years and and we quite often say things that the other one's thinking or you you notice similar things. So um, it, it's, we're, we're good together. Yeah, yeah. We, it, and it's, it's an amazing... Um, Amazing relationship to have, the yeah. one that we have. Yeah, 45 yeah. years is a good knock. Wow. That is good. Yeah, yeah, my <laughs> word. So, Peter, let me ask you, what's the most rewarding thing about walking with your wife? Oh, just the shared experience. Mm. Um, you know, like, as I said to you before, uh, when people ask you about what it is about the Camino, and if we didn't have that shared experience, to give you an example, years ago I went up to Nepal and um, did the base camp walk and did a little bit more and so forth and shall I pass. And I came back and I, I was sharing the, the, the experience with Anne and while she was interested, I think it was probably because she hadn't shared, done it physically, she just did not understand and we also, we've done a lot of tramping in New Zealand. And years ago, we did one which is called the Dusky. Now, there were six of us. There were four other members of staff that I was working with and Anne. So she was one lady amongst five blokes. But we did this Dusky, which is a pretty hard, no, it's, it's, it's hardcore trail in New Zealand, tramp. And whenever we got together with the rest of the guys, you know, whenever we saw one of them, we'd say, Remember the dusky, and really, that's the that. So the fact is that we shared that that experience together, and the fact is that Anne and I share these caminos together. So we know we know what it's like, and, and we just have to say a word, and we both light up with smiles or a laugh or something, or maybe yeah. even shed a tear. But it's so that's the thing. You do it together. You know the experience. And yet we, we obviously have differences in, in the way we interpret things, which is the beauty of it too. Yeah, yeah. That's right. I suppose that when you come back, you can sort of discuss what you've been through and have a different perspective. And it's often interesting and exciting to hear other perspectives too. Yeah. 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 Hey, Anne, how do you cope with the sometimes primitive facilities? I know it's a kind of gender-based question to ask the woman, but, hey, if it's primitive, it's primitive. So how, well, <laughs> you know what I mean? It can be very primitive. It can yes, be very primitive. How do you cope? Uh, very well. And, and I'm always grateful. You know, you've got a roof over your head. You've got a bed. You've got a shower, and I think at the end of the day, when you've done that distance uh, um, walking, you're grateful. Just grateful to have a have a place to lie down. <laughs> yeah, and sometimes a hot yeah. shower is. Uh, well, yeah, sometimes a hot shower. Yeah, yeah. Actually, we were lucky this time. We had lots of hot showers. <laughs> oh, that's fantastic. Uh, you got the hot shower sometimes. <laughs> Sorry, Dan. There were times when, by the time I got to the shower, it was cold. That's because he. That's because he fluffs around, Dan. <laughs> He's not organised at the end. Well, well, that's my next question. That's my next question. You've walked ten caminos now. Yes. Is there one particular route where you found it more difficult 
um, Peter, to, to do the logistics, the getting the cash, the booking ahead, the language accommodation, etc. No, look, not really. I, I suppose that there's so much literature out there now, uh, even for the lesser known ones. In fact, we're, we're sort of, well, I'm in the planning stages of next year. We're off to do the Vila Plata, but before that, we're going to walk from Cadiz up to Seville. And then we're doing a new one, which is called the Jacobean Way, which goes from Braga to Compostela. So that's only been in existence for, what, a couple of years, I think? Right. How far is that? Um, 240Ks, I think. Oh, lovely. Wow. Okay, I haven't, but, heard, I haven't heard of that. No, well, uh, we just got some literature about it when we were there uh, in, in Muthia. So oh, right. Just, just recently. But when you talk about language, um, I, look, what we generally find with when we're in the places, oh, you would have found this yourself. I'm certainly not a a person for languages, and you know I speak for Anne. I don't think she is either. But basically, we find that you know you're just waving your hands and you're pointing, but you're always smiling and giving off this. There's certainly no arrogance or anything. And we we found you know like to give you an example, people. Talk about the French being arrogant, etc. Well, when we did the um, the Chemin de Saint Jacques from Le Puy-en-Velay through to Saint Jean, um, you know, my French is schoolboy French, but the first thing that I always say is "Non Angleterre, just we knew well there long, Australian," and they'd suddenly learn how they'd be speaking English to you, right? So, but you know, look, yeah, it's it, language. Yeah, you just point, you learn a few phrases, you know what it's like, um, uh, te negro, <laughs> and so forth. Yeah, I think, uh, and I think there's a kind of pilgrim language, isn't there? And, and, and when, I, when I interviewed Ailsa Piper, she said, oh, she didn't want to learn too much Spanish because she kind of loved the innocence of not being able to speak the language and having to sort of almost go back to a kind of toddler's way of communicating. <laughs> true, true. Yeah. <laughs> Good way of looking at it. Yeah, that's what I thought too. Hey, so uh, when you walk in Italy or in France, uh, as we know, the Camino Francaise is, is quite cheap. It, it, you can stay for five euros a night and get a meal for eight euros sometimes. Uh, how does that compare with France and Italy? Perhaps you might answer that one, Anne. Um, well, we found this last Italian walk, it's been the most expensive we've done. Um, Portugal, the Portuguese way was cheap. Um, when we did the Via Francigena, the dearest part was going through Switzerland, but no, we found this time it was it's quite expensive. Not Not overly, I mean, compared to... A lot of tours that you do, it's by no means as expensive. But, yeah, this time it was a bit more expensive. So how much do you think you would budget a day, per day, per person in Italy, Peter? I'll give that to you. Yeah, well, when, to give you an idea, when we're doing the, the French, uh, sorry, the, the Spanish Caminos, I generally budget about 50 euros for the two of us. And I sort of sat down and... When I did the um, budgeting for Italy, knowing what we'd spent on the Via Francigena 18 months ago, 
I thought, oh, between 50 and 70, but in actual fact, we probably spent close to 100 euros a day. Right. That's when I say that's 50 each. Yeah, yeah. So, so it's still reasonably priced, to, but when you compare it to oh. Spain, it's, a, it's considerably more expensive. Yeah, that's interesting. So. I know that there'll be people listening who are, who are keen to walk the the different routes, and that's very handy information indeed. Uh, I want to, if I can, just sort of go a bit a bit deeper. I, I uh, as you know, I like to ask sort of varied questions. And do you think you and Peter, who wrote to me to say we're addicted to Caminos, do you think you were looking for something in your lives before you found the Camino? Um. Well, we've always been walkers, and I suppose this was just a a wider um, range of walking, you know, besides uh, New Zealand and Australia and completely different. uh, I don't know if we would say we were looking something. I think we were just doing an extension of what we'd already been doing. Yeah. Well, Peter, do you think the Camino has brought pair of you closer together? Oh, without doubt. Yeah. Without doubt. It's, um, yeah, I look, um, look, I've always, you know, we've walked a lot together over the years. Like we've, As I said, we've done our tramps in New Zealand. We've walked in England and Wales. Um, yeah. And here in Australia, we've done the Larapinta together. We did um, the Overland Track in Tasmania during the winter. Again, we took lads from the school that I was teaching at at the time. Um, but uh, no, it, it's certainly, I think it's uh, really cemented our relationship far, far more. Yeah, so, and if there's a husband and wife or significant others or life partners or whatever listening to us now, what's one piece of advice you'd give them to encourage them to walk the Camino together? Oh, just... Um Gee, I suppose go for it. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, yeah, in some ways, I suppose it could make or break you <laughs> because of the extremes that you go through in walking conditions and accommodation. So I suppose, you know, sometimes you think you know a person until you do something like this. So yeah, advice, um Go with the flow. Yeah, but Peter, this is a little more difficult to answer and we know that there are some days when the Camino is difficult too. But we're adventurers, I suppose. But what would a husband or wife say to their spouse if their better half is having doubts about walking as a couple? Um... Well, you can all... Sorry, I'm butting in. You You could always start the walk with... Well, if you don't feel you can go on, there are so many places where that you can um, come off that walk, you know. Yeah. If one wants to keep going and the other doesn't want to, then you can come off the walk and meet them further along. So there, yeah. there, on all these walks, there are places where you can exit and then enter again. Yeah. Um, yeah. Yeah, we've done that and injured yourself. Um, in France. It was in France. And um, basically, I was itching to get on with it, and Anne was recovering from Tendon. tendonitis. And so she stayed on in the town, and I kept walking for a couple of days. But um, then she met up with us further on, and 
Yeah. And just caught a bus to the town that I was heading for that day. Yeah. Yeah. There's nothing, there's no strict rules or guidelines anyway. I walked with, no. a, I walked with a Spanish fellow uh, in 2016 and he said, my wife's not interested at all. But he met her each night and she was an artist, a peeler, and she would drive each day to art galleries and, and, and go on this lovely art tour herself. And then meet him yeah. up, meet yeah. him in the evening. He, she said, oh, I'm not, yeah. not interested in the Camino in the slightest. But <laughs> you know, not at all, not at all. It worked very well for them. I wonder then, yeah, yeah and I wonder, are you surprised? Did you see this coming, this pilgrim life? No, no, not at all. No. I ne- ne- never, well, well, until you know about it, you don't think about it. So, but once, once we started, well... We seem to want to keep continuing. It's just just a, an amazing way to see a country, a, a real the real part of a country. Yeah, so, yeah that's slow, and people. Yes, yeah, slow tourism is awesome. And, and Peter, yeah. Peter, tell us a Camino story. Uh, um, well, look, I'll, t- I'll tell you. What, uh, you know, there are hundreds, obviously, but. Mm. I remember the first time that we um, walked from um, Saint Jean de Pied de Port up to to Roncevo, or you know, over the top to Roncevo, and um, it was uh, we'd just finished the Chemin de Saint Jacques, and we'd spent a couple of days in Saint Jacques, and then we decided that we would head up over the top, so that because the weather was perfect and catch a bus back to Saint-Jean. So we'd already finished the Chemin de Saint-Jean from the Puy. Anyway, so we're, we're climbing up and we'd gone past, uh, I forget the name of the little... Oriston. Oriston, eight kilometres out. And, and you know, it's, it's, it's a good it's a good haul, it's a good climb, but the thing is that we were already fit, so... And we weren't carrying a full pack that particular time. So anyway, I'm, I'm sort of walking ahead of Anne and... I see this bloke, and I mean, he is just struggling. He was an Irish fellow. I think his name was Paddy, Patrick, or whatever. <laughs> and he, anyway, we get and we're standing beside a rubbish bin. Um, just before you get in, you know, you've, you've sort of gone off the road a bit after the, the, the village, and, and you start to go on to the, the grass tracks, mm. and there's a rubbish bin there. And he said, oh, I, I don't know if I'm going to be able to do this. <laughs> and I said, well, one thing you can do is, is that you can get rid of some of the stuff. He had he had a huge pack and he had stuff dangling off. Now, if you've tramped in New Zealand, that's the first rule. You don't have – everything that you take goes inside the pack. Otherwise, you know, it's going to get caught on trees and branches and so forth and you'll lose it. So I said, Paddy – You've got to get rid of some of this stuff. So we sat down and pulled all the stuff out of his pack, and I'm going, oh, my goodness, what's this for? What's that for? And anyway, by halfway, you know, by the time I'd finished with him, he'd, he'd sort of got rid of a hell of a lot of stuff, put it in the rubbish bin. I'm thinking it's a bit of a waste. So I thought, well, there's other people coming up if they want the stuff. And you know what it's like at Roncevo too, where people just dump all their stuff on that table. Yeah. Yeah. And what someone's trash is someone else's treasure. So, yeah, that's that the sorts of stories. Um, some of the the, the hostelier, hostelierios that we've had, 
and there's one in particular, but I'm I'm not allowed to tell it because it, it's rather embarrassing. But but no, we've seen lots and lots of stories like that, and you know, it's oh, one little story too. Yeah, I'm doing the French way. You know how you get your stamp. Yeah, and you know, like we've got all our credentials from from the various um, caminos that we've done. There's one from the Chemin de Saint-Jacques where the lady who was the, the hostelier, um, she was very arty, you know, very flighty. And um, anyway, so it was a dinner bed and breakfast gite. And anyway, this, this lady, she, um, you know, she had a little child and she was very, very attentive. But the thing is that we're, like, the people that we're with, there are a, a couple of American ladies, and we were all starving by about nine o'clock. You know what it's like yeah. in Europe. You, they, they don't eat till late. And she's apologising, you know, that dinner's late and coming, and we're just about ready to sort of eat a rock or something. <laughs> but um, anyway, she took our, our credentials and she said, I'm going to, um, you know, I said, oh, it's only a stamp. And she said, oh, no, 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 no. Anyway, the next morning we get the credentials back and really it was a work of art um, for each of our stamps. It wasn't a stamp. It was a little drawing, with oh. little um, um, sort of beads and things glued onto it. It was very, very, it was delightful actually. So we each got this work of art and she had obviously after she put the child to bed, after she'd fed us and cleaned up, probably about 11 o'clock, 12 o'clock at night, she's gone and done all these. And so I felt a bit guilty about all that. Yeah, that's, <laughs> isn't that a lovely story? I yeah. Love, uh, that's a great story. Yeah, the, the French, and I remember uh, arriving in Lourdes to walk to Saint-Jean and the, the pilgrim office in Lourdes, the, the man said, now you, you must call ahead. And I said, uh, it, it, it doesn't matter in Spain, but in France, you must call ahead to tell them that you're coming. And I said, oh, okay, okay, why is that? Well, you don't want a cranky French woman cooking you dinner. <laughs> I said, that, that's very good advice. That's very good advice. So, so we, we, and, and Anne, maybe you answer the question, but Peter mentioned to me on the phone the other day that music has been a, a great part of your Camino journey too. Oh, we have a we have a lot of fun because quite often somebody will say something and and the line in what they've said we can we can think of a song that's got that line in it so we'll start singing. <laughs> <laughs> we I do. love it. I love it. Yeah, singing is yeah. so great, and I love to sing out on the trail. It's good fun too. Oh. Yeah, mm. it's, we. I also look. Any opportunity that we can hear an organ in a, in a chapel or a cathedral or something, we will. Um, but I sort of, I, occasionally I'll nick into a chapel and if no one's in there, I'll sort of let rip with a bit of Gregorian chant and oh. I get this, you know, just as well there's no one in here. <laughs> <laughs> but Gregorian chant, is, actually, I told you where I went off on my own and... Um, I sort of met up with this lady, Lucy, and I had a, an iPad and I was sort of had a, I don't normally have music playing, but this particular day I had this iPad and of all things I had Gregorian chant playing. And this lady was sort of was walking ahead of me and then she slowed, she sort of came back to me and she said, oh, you're listening to that. 
I said, yeah, yeah, I, I love it. It's, um, I studied it at, at university. And, and she said, oh, I'm doing a PhD in Gregorian chant. And no. I'm off to, was it, yeah. Yeah, to Switzerland or something. Oh, She's yeah. off, off to Switzerland or somewhere like that to, to go to a, a convent where she was going to actually do recording, et cetera, and, and so she could finish her thesis. So, wow. yeah, we got chatting about that. And, but, yeah. What so an extraordinary... I, I haven't, amazing. I'd love to know. I'd love to know whether she finished it. Um, but, uh, yeah, it's, you, you have those sort of moments on the way. <laughs> so, do you, so, you did mention where she was from because if we, if we put the feelers out, I guarantee you will find her. So she was Swedish, well, did you say? No, no, she was Australian. She was oh, she was Australian. Australian. I think her name was Lucy. Is that yeah. right? I think she was. Ta- was she from Tasmania? She may have been from Tassie, but she went to Europe to complete a PhD in um, Gregorian. Gregorian, Gregorian chant. Yeah. Right. Well, we'll find her. I'll guarantee it. <laughs> <laughs> I'll guarantee it. The, 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 pilg- the Pilgrim yeah. Network's very powerful. It is. It is very powerful. She's a delightful lady. <laughs> well, and. Um, Oh, yeah, yeah. Because it, so. it, it's so lovely, isn't it, to walk into a little convent or a little cathedral or, or a little church somewhere and there's music playing, even if it's just a bit of guitar or something, just to yeah. let, let you collect your oh. thoughts. It's 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 kind of something about the energy of the Camino and music go hand in hand. Yeah. They do. And they even do. when you don't understand the language, you know, sometimes sitting in on a mass and, of course, they have reply you know, in, in their masses, so something that we used to have in the church I went to, but you don't have the reply to um, a prayer as much as you used to. So that's nice, listening to these people, yeah, have their reply. Yeah. I was just going to say another story, um, and some of your listeners may have actually seen these two fellows I don't know if you've read the book I'll Push You. Yes. Yes, of course. Yeah, well, well, here's, here's something. In 2014, we'd finished in, in, um, and, and we'd arrived in Compostela and we were at the Mass and sitting beside us were these two chaps. One was in a wheelchair, Patrick and Jason, and we got talking to them and basically we were told that one had pushed the other along the Camino, and we were just stunned mullets, truly. And I said, oh, just for your sake, I hope that the is going to be on today. And he said, yeah, it's going to, because we paid for it. <laughs> and they told us that they'd been making this documentary film. But, um, you know, I'd, I was just moved to tears with the, 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 these two blokes, and we, we chatted with them and, and their wives, and, uh, look, it was... and I. I I was actually digging out photos the other day and I found the photos I, I was looking for of the four of them. So I'm really thrilled about that. Yeah, that's a great so, yeah. story. Yeah, that's a great story. It, it is a great story. They, they did a TED Talk together. I don't know if you've seen that. Um, I don't know. No, I, I can't remember, but we did watch the movie and we were hoping that at the end when they, you know, we were hoping to be movie stars as well. but. <laughs> Yeah, you know, just not really, but we we thought maybe they'd show the, the the film that they took when they were sitting in the in the cathedral watching the Bethune Moreau and everything else. But um, 
No, it wasn't included, that obviously, not even inside the cathedral, which surprised me. Yeah, that is interesting, particularly when you've paid for for the swinging as well. Yeah, that, that <laughs> yeah, yeah. The, 600 the, euros. Exactly, yeah. They, they, they have done a TED talk together and it's out, absolutely outstanding. It's really fabulous. Yeah. It's really good. Uh, um, now, one thing, that the, I want one thing that you always pack. Anne? Something that I always pack is something to read. <laughs> ah, okay. Now, now, do you carry books or do you carry an iPad? I carry a little Kobo reader. Ah, right, okay, so not too heavy. Uh, Peter, something yeah. that you always pack? I'd be the same. I, I couldn't get by without my books. So we're both avid readers and um, different genres, but... Um, Definitely avid readers, and so therefore, got to have that that reading material. Again, uh, I take an iPad, but I've just got myself one of those bigger phones, so I'll just be taking the phone in future. Uh, and a word, one word to sum up your pilgrimage in, in, in this entire journey, if you like, Anne. Ah, oh, unbelievable. Ah, good word. Blown away. (laughs) And what about you, Peter? What about you? Joy. Joy. Now, you mentioned earlier that you'd been married for 45 years. Uh, And I think that is worthy of a round of applause. If there were more people here, I'd be (laughs) clapping you. But but if you could whisper something into your ears on the wedding day 45 years ago, what would it be, Anne? Oh, I wish to Oh, gosh. Nothing comes out. Oh, I know I love him. <laughs> Peter, Peter, what would you whisper into your own ear 45 years ago? Uh, I love this lady more than I. Oh, yeah. It's um, a bit sloppy, but no, I, I, I hope that the love I feel for you now will be with me 45 years. Hence, and in fact, it's it's stronger. Well, long may you both walk hand in hand, stride by stride, and hearts together. Thank you for Thank reaching you. out. Thank you very yeah. much. Yeah, I thoroughly enjoyed talking to you, and I look forward to our paths crossing because I'm certain you're not yeah. you're not too far away, and indeed, we'll meet sooner rather than later. I'm sure of it. Uh, and oh, lovely. We'll, we'll probably see you in the Blue Mountains. Uh, indeed, you will, John Briley. We, indeed we will. I'll be up there and I'll look forward to okay. seeing you there. Terrific. So will we. <laughs> now, uh, let me finish by saying, Buen Camino. Buen Camino. Buen Camino. <laughs> My guests this week, the Australian pilgrims, Anne and Peter Brandon. The American actor and writer Jimmy Dean said, I can't change the direction of the wind, but I can adjust my sails to always reach my destination. It's handy too to have someone alongside you to help you trim the sails. Thanks for your company as always. My new album, Duende, is out now. I've been working on it for more than a year. I'd like to thank my Patreon sponsors for their contribution. It's been incredible. Their names are part of the packaging and their spirit is woven deep into the songs. And I'm really, really proud of what I've done and it was with their help. So I'm most grateful. If you're interested in sponsoring me, go to patreon.com forward slash Dan Mullins or danmullinsmusic.com. Until next week, I'm Dan Mullins. Buen Camino.